It's the people and the experiences and the detail, the bar, the cocktails, how they're presented, the food, how it's presented, the, the whole theater of it all. And I love turning a shitty shell into a, a, you know, a piece of life. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We've talked about the leaps and bounds plant-based eating and offerings have come in recent years. But in the UK, the plant-based movement is much more evolved than in Australia, with an array of restaurants at all levels focusing on meat-free menus. Mildred's in the UK has been leading by example for over 30 years. Sam Ansey is the managing director of Mildred's Restaurant Group in the United Kingdom. Sam, how are you? I'm very good, Huck. How are you doing? Good. It's good to um, talk. It's summer over there. I know you've had a heat wave recently, but how, how is trade at the moment in, in the UK? You know, trade is, it's hard to say. We, we've had a good run. You know, I think um, we, we, we were on a good run to opening some more restaurants in, in February, and then we were hit with Omicron. And then... Um, it started to build again and then we got hit with tube strikes and heat waves and i think london's a lot more or a lot less immune um to you know big issues such as tube strikes and and, and that really does impact on the trade but having said that when we are on a good run trade is good and i think particularly us who are in the plant-based space um, it's very, very exciting because, you know, we can see the interest and the demand in uh, plant-based eating, especially in London. Well, globally, it's just exploded, particularly in the last decade. Um, tell us about the state of the market there from a food service perspective and hospitality perspective um, in the UK. I think the state of the market is difficult for hospitality, for sure. I think we're facing uh, multiple issues. Um, I think the first one would be people and recruitment, you know, find the, the availability of great people and finding people and, and keeping people is, is a lot more challenging than in the, in the last 20 years um, that I've been in, you know, 22 years that I've been in this business. Um, I, I've never felt it so challenging. And I think that most other businesses in the UK will share that. I, I don't know whether it's a COVID or a Brexit or a combination of everything, but definitely people is an, is a, is a, I would say, a key issue that I read about uh, in other businesses and it's a key issue that we face. And we've had to make um, some real big changes to make sure that we're re you know, retaining and motivating and doing things differently in this industry. I think the other issues in the industry at the moment is the rising cost of food product. Now, obviously, we don't use animal product, which are, I, I know is substantial increases as well with chicken and beef, um, etc. But, you know, grain, uh, the war in Ukraine has affected the price of grain gone up by 35%. The, the cost of oil, you know, just cook, using cooking oil is um, vegetable oils tripled. Uh, and then finally, obviously, you've got the, <laughs> the increase in utilities. Um, you know, I think, the, the cost of power and energy is, I know from personally in, in my home, you know, I'm paying three or four times more than, than I would. So you can only imagine what a, a restaurant would be using to do that and, and, and how we look at sustainability and, and building new restaurants so that we can avoid those costs is, is key at the moment as well. But uh, I think, yeah, those the rising cost of food, the energy crisis at the moment, the people uh, is a big 
you know, a big issue. And then um, I think what's coming next is is inflation. So, you know, operating in the UK and uh, I think globally at the moment is a real challenge for the hospitality business. You have to be fantastic. You have to be good at what you do and you have to be looking at new ways to, to do business, in my opinion. Well, Mildred's has been amazing at that over a couple of decades. Tell us a bit about the plant-based um, offering in the UK. It's, it's quite a mature market. Um, tell us a little bit about um, the plant-based sort of market at the moment. Absolutely. There, there's, you know, well, Mildred's to start is, is a 34-year-old business. I, I call it a 34-year-old startup because um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we're, it was 30, you know, it was vegan in the 80s. <laughs> so you can imagine that the customer base in the 80s, 1988, was very, very different to the, the mainstream plant-based customer today, uh, way ahead of its time. So, you know, I almost think that, you know, our customer base has completely changed. But going back to the, the UK vegan plant-based market, you know, you've got a, a rise in junk food, the, the junk food space, I think, environmentally is, uh, is the main inspiration for that. I think you've got a, a, a great level of university students, uh, that generation that's growing and, and coming into the next uh, wave of generation, they are very obviously environmentally conscious. They believe that, you know, the planet is completely stuffed and that uh, they still want to indulge in that greasy Five Guys or McDonald's burger. They just don't want to be eating animal. And therefore, you've got a rise of that junk food space, that mock meat uh, greasy, oily, not a health, uh, not healthy, but it's a substitute for um, what they were eating before. They just want to be contributing to the planet. I mean, their figures, the figures that I read now by 2025, 50% of the UK, you know, which is a staggering number of people will identify as flexitarian, which means they'll be actively, actively choosing to have uh, a plant-based, you know, diet majority of the week that, you know, they may choose to still eat animal product but it will be more occasional and less. And I think that's what, I mean, we can certainly see the volume of people coming through our restaurants. You know, we just opened a restaurant in Borough Market. Uh, it's a thousand-year-old meat, cheese, wine market. And we've got a, you know, a two-story plant-based building in the middle of this market. And, uh, and, and we're fully booked, you know, and it's, it blows my mind, <laughs> you know, every day. Um, because I think, you know, what we're trying to do, and I think which is, which is important is we're not trying to shove plant-based down your throat and say, well, come and have a burger with us because you're going to save the planet, you know, or come and have, a, you know, this, you know, we, we're not trying to do that. We, we want you to just come and have a great experience in a great restaurant. And it just happens to be plant-based. So we want to normalize the fact that you can just come to us and have a great experience, whether you eat meat or whether you don't. It's just the next step in the kind of phase of this planet, I, I believe. Given the general acceptance has only been in the last sort of decade, sort of en masse of uh, um, vegetarian and vegan offerings, 34 years is is incredible for uh, a vegetarian and vegan restaurant. Uh, tell us a bit about the history of Mildred's. So Mildred's was founded um, by Jane and Diane. You know, they were working in the London, central London restaurant scene, and they decided that they were going to go and do it themselves. And they, and they were interested in, in vegetarian food, you know. Um, and they, they ran this restaurant. I think the original one was in Greek Street. And then uh, 10 years later, they needed a bigger premises. So they moved it to Lexington Street in Soho, which is a great um, hidden street 
uh, quite close to Carnaby Street with and and Mildred's is is over you know five floors uh, in a in a real traditional old Soho townhouse. My office is on the top floor, and every time you 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 have to lock your chair into the desk, otherwise you roll down because it's all a bit it's all a bit uh, crooked. Um, and, and it it just has huge personality, and it's. Um, uh, it's timeless, and I and I think it grew. And, I, and Jane, about seven, eight years ago, decided that mm, this plant-based craze is, is growing, <laughs> and uh, she saw it. and And I think she was living part-time Spain, part-time London, and um, and she uh, decided no, that that's what she was going to do. And, and she opened uh, a site in Dalston, which is in East London, and um, Kings Cross and um, Camden. And, you know, the, the volume of the customer was staggering, you know, in these restaurants with real low investment. Um, but, you know, it was all about the food and, and all about the ingredients. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was very, very powerful. It was, a, you know, traditionally not a, a structured and system-led business that, that I was quite, you know, that I'm used to setting up and building. Um, it was done differently and, and the people in it were different and, and creative and interesting. And I think that when, when I, you know, I joined three years ago and when I look at the, the business, you know, the people, it's really to nurture that old school, um, talent that was very, very unusual is, is a key focus for me because they're just, um, a brilliant bunch of people, very creative, you know, especially the food development uh, team. I, I want to explore the offering of, of Mildred's and and uh, a little bit further. But um, take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your life? So I grew up in Cape Town. I don't know if you've ever been to Cape Town, but it's a, a beautiful, um, sleepy city in the southern the southern tip of Africa. Amazing place. And I grew up with a, you know in a great kind of entrepreneurial family. Um, I didn't travel. Um, much until I was 15, I went on a three-month school program to Israel, which um, which blew my mind. Uh, if I don't know if you've ever been to Tel Aviv, but food and flavors and and it was really like wow, like using the use of ingredients and, and stuff like that. And um, a close friend of mine and I always decided we we thought maybe we'd go to Israel and open up a fish and chips, an English fish and chips shop, there, which had never quite been done before. And uh, and we always joked about it. And and um, she was, I mean, she's amazing. Uh, this friend of mine, that, that she went and set up Sababa um, Kitchen in Cape Town and has written two top selling cookbooks there and and stuff like that. And and, and I then went to London. I went traveling to France, uh, Paris, fell in love with Paris. I, I, I mean, if you've been to Paris, you'll understand the kind of time that they take in food and ingredients. And I just love the whole vibe of the restaurant there. It was slow. It was sipping an espresso or, you know, in a coffee shop in the middle of town. And I just, it was all mind blown to me. I was, I was, you know, I grew up in one place, very different to kind of Europe. And so, you know, taking it all in, I knew that I don't think I could, I studied at uni there. I knew I couldn't go back to, I didn't want to go back to South Africa. I knew I wanted to stay in Europe. Um, I, I was much more excited about the creativity that you could get in Europe, in London, like the, you know, the abundance of restaurants. And, and, and while I was traveling up my South African rands, uh, ran a bit low, as I'm sure you can imagine. And, um, and I decided that I needed to get a job. And a friend of mine was a bartender in the small, tiny, I think they had two restaurants called Giraffe. <laughs> And I walked into Giraffe and um, I started waitering and bartendering and, and doing all of that there. And um, and then I thought, hey, this 
brand was sensational. It was fresh ingredients. It was bringing world food to, in the, in the early 90, in the nineties and early two thousands brunch breakfast wasn't a thing in London. You could get like a pub breakfast, but actually going out for great, you know, I compare it to Bill Granger in, in, in Sydney, uh, you know, the, that fluffy egg with the sourdough, you didn't get that in London. And, and Giraffe Russell, who founded Giraffe, he brought that, you know, into London. And it was this great fresh ingredients, world music, global food, great design, it all about the people, all about the training. It it blew my mind as a brand, you know, and and I, and I think I fell in love with it there. And and Russell was a, a you know he became you know went on to become a, a, a significant mentor in my life, um, you know, for many many years. Um, so and I and I worked in the draft business, and I I you know decided I. I qualified from university in business and marketing and Giraffe wanted to use that. So I was working in the head office and then I decided I didn't want to be in the head office. I wanted to be in the restaurants with people. So I was managing restaurants and then before I knew it, I was opening their flagship store on the South Bank Center, um, which is by um, Westminster London Eye um, in London. You know, that, that was a 220,000 pound a week restaurant um, you know, it went on to be, and, uh, and I just, then, I, then we, we got more investment. We took giraffe outside of London. So I was heading up outside of London, you know, thought we were the bee's knees going into Manchester and everybody was going to love us like they love us in London and they didn't. And it wasn't that great. And we had to relook at the menu. We realized that everybody where we wanted, wanted fish and chips and pasta and we were, we did, and nobody knew what edamame was at that time. <laughs> so, uh, we, um, we had to change the menu and the pricing and it was just a real good learning experience taking it out of London. And then I did that. And in the background, I was starting to franchise giraffe into uh, UK airports, um, around uh, or across the country and then emirates um decided that they wanted us in dubai so we um franchised with them in dubai three units in dubai one in abu dhabi so i took the brand internationally and it was a, just an incredible incredible journey you know and it was from uh, the initial walking in there i knew this was something that i wanted to be involved in i i knew that i loved the food and i also loved the idea of business and how to be consistent in multiple sites and we sold it around 65 sites to tesco's in 2013 and um and then i thought well hey you know like tesco's uh, amazing big business you know uh, they wanted we were sitting on the board i was the director of marketing and franchise of big fancy titles and and i thought um that i would learn so much and and i just realized what i did learn is that that wasn't for me that corporate environment i i prefer to be with people and training and on the ground and building cultures and building brands and and i i felt that the it taught me that you know I know where I've got to get a business to, and I know that there are people one day to take that business on, but I'm not that person. <laughs> I needed to be, you know, starting from the, I love being on the floor. I love, you know, talking to people. And, and, and when you get to a, a certain size in the business that that was lacking, you know, you, you were, were removed from that, I felt. So then the uh, uh, founder of, of Giraffe Russell, Joffy, took me uh, and said, hey, he's got a business with his son, uh, one restaurant in Crouch End, uh, and we wanted to grow that business. And we created a concept called Bob's Cafe, and we opened, five, we did five, it was a five restaurant group. But Russell was living in Israel, and um, 
it wasn't, you know, I don't know, it wasn't a brand that I probably had the same kind of passion about as I did when I walked into Giraffe and the partnership wasn't um, motivational for me. Uh, and I think I felt that I was missing something. The puzzle didn't fit, but I, you know, I did this with Russell for about five years and, you know, he, he, he was a huge inspiration, you know, for me, he, he was old school hospitality. He wasn't about the P and L and the accounts. He was about the music and the, you know, taking the coat from a customer and opening the door and making sure that every single detail in the business was there. And, it, you know, he was a, a driver of standards and he taught me, you know, pretty much everything that I have today. I still, he, he passed away sadly in February, 2020. And even today, I don't think I make a decision without having him in the background <laughs> and, and consult him and thinking, what would have Russell done in this situation? You know, but, uh, and I, and I have him in, you know, I walk into restaurants and I have him still shouting in my ear saying, you know, this doesn't look good. And why is that light bulb dusty? You know, <laughs> um, Anyway, so I, I think then the partnership, uh, um, the, the, these investors had just bought Mildred's. Um, they were long, lifelong customers of Mildred's, which I loved. I loved the story. They, they grew up in London uh, as Hindu vegan, and they were customers and as kids as Mildred's, and they grew up with it. And they, they, this is incredible because, you know, when you talk to them, the passion they have for this business is amazing. And this is what I connected with is they – were part of that crowd where their friends would say, hey, let's go out for dinner on Saturday night. You know, we'll go to TGI's or we'll go wherever. And there must be something, there'll always be something for you on the menu. And, and they always ended up having the bowl of fries and the, and the bean burger, you know. And, and they were segregated in a way because, it, you know, it, they, they never, ever went out enjoying what they wanted to do until they found Mildred's. And the word that they used to describe Mildred's is freedom. They felt like they could come into this restaurant and be free you know, free to have whatever they wanted on the menu. And imagine that. And it puts you into that position of, of growing up plant-based, you know, for religious reasons or, or whatever the reason is. But like you, you, you never thought about that person that, you know, couldn't, when you were all going to, you know, a burger restaurant, couldn't have what you were having, but still wanted to socially be with you. And he now could walk into this restaurant and, and there was an abundance of choice. It was pages of menus, which you, you know, you know, multiple dishes that you could choose from. Incredible. You know, I, I, I found that story the most powerful and, 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 uh, I felt like I had less thought for that kind of person when I was growing up, you know, and, and I think that now we're in a time where those, you know, people who or, or generally the population can just have whatever they want there's freedom when you go into Mildred's and I love that about Mildred's and I want to keep that that passion you know where somebody can go there and be whoever they want to be and that translates to the staff member or uh, you know the, the ethos or the brand values that we have is is Mildred's will is accepting to everyone there's no agenda you know and I, and I love that so I, you know and that was all brilliant I took the leap I've been working alongside Russell as this kind of right hand man for you know a long time and I and I took the leap to go on to my on my own and um it was all going well uh, until March 20 when covid struck <laughs> and you know I'd been in the business for a few months and and um we'd made some changes you know you you're you're on a mission to kind of put your stamp on a business um respect the existing team but but move forward at, at a pace and and look for new sites to open and grow the business because now's our time. Our time is now for you know plant based, and then COVID struck in um, March twenty and uh, and I just 
<laughs> shifted into survival mode, I suppose, uh, over that uh, period. Uh, you know, looking back now, it, I still feel a bit exhausted, but um, but I feel proud of what we achieved in that period and how the team and I reacted um, during that process. Were there some positives and um, changes that you've brought out of that adversity? I think the key positive thing was that came out of it, in, in, you know, in my mind, is that I, I was fairly new in the business, and I was working with a, a team of new plus, you know, people that had been in the business for sixteen, seventeen years, and and COVID brought us together as a team immediately. You know, we we didn't have staff, we didn't know what was going on. We immediately raised X amount of money for the NHS, and we started delivering. Uh, food, but we didn't have the staff to make it. So we were all in the kitchens making it. I was driving around to hospitals when London was, there was nobody in the streets of London. You know, we were delivering these kind of um, chicken, fake mock chicken salads and stuff to all the NHS workers. You know, it was, um, it was a crazy time. And then we started doing meal kits and cocktail kits and, you know, bespoke vegan cakes. And we opened up a dark kitchen brand. And, you know, in that time we found two new restaurants and built those, you know, so it, it was a real like, um, camaraderie team together like survival mode we are very proud of this business we are in a unknown time unknown territory we're going to make this work we're going to work together so if i had to say the positivities that came out of that that, that would be it do i want to do it again huck no i definitely don't tell us a bit about mildred's and the offering um there's all types of sort of variations of plant-based food on on the planet but um what are you doing at mildred's so we, I, I don't like to uh, use a lot of mock meat product. I, I like to be creatively vegetarian. So we we do have it. We do have chicken uh, skewers and we do have a, a chicken burger that we do, the, a really gourmet chicken burger, which is, you know, that they, they are top selling dishes. But we also do a very famous curry hoddy, which is like a Sri Lankan uh, curry with um, sweet potato and beans on rice and we've got our own kind of secret sauce that we do on top of it with some flaked seeds and you know we, we do interesting um, we use tempeh very very well I think um, and and one key thing that I think we're famous for is, is desserts we, we we do desserts where every time I am at a, a, a development cook-off I, I can't believe that they haven't tricked me using some sort of dairy in there because they they're so incredible but you know I think we, we like to be we like to we like to think of ourselves as, as internationally inspired so you know we we're, we're busy looking at veganuary for example and you know veganuary has become a marketing tool for many um, businesses where they like to tell people how about their vegan products but we, we're you know veganuary all year round so we want to showcase great communities around the world that have great vegan diets whether it be religious or um, personal and and we um, want to deep dive into those um, cultures and show that sort of food so just to give you give me an idea like like now even over the summer we, we thought of doing some specials and and we were deep diving into Brazil and and actually the more we researched into Brazil it's quite a melting pot of cultures it's unbelievable i mean japanese chinese uh, you know incredible influences that have come into this country and and uh you know the food that that's come out of it so you know we want to we want to do something with meaning we want to deep dive a little bit more uh into certain cultures but um you know our key selling dishes are a buck and bap which is a spicy um rice and vegetable with tofu dish 
um, our Kiri Hardy, as I said, our Sri Lankan curry. Um, we, we do like a soul bowl and elma bowl with like avocado mousse and quinoa and, and a whole lot of vegetables with an almond vegan feta. So th- there's just a variety of, of, um, of stuff at Mildred's uh, that we do. You know, you, you need to come to London so I can, I can show you. Uh, you know, we, you know, Sarah, our head of development, um, amazing. She's written both cookbooks, really, really talented. Um, she's, you know, we do, she's now done like a vegan Labanay cheese, you know, so we've got Middle Eastern in, influence as well, which uh, is incredible, uh, really incredible. Tell us a little bit about the clientele that you have, you know, not, not all that long ago, it would be easy to assume what a, a vegan or vegetarian um customer may, may be but what, what is the clientele of, of somewhere like Mildred's I think the best way to describe that would be in our Camden restaurant um, because Camden is you know uh, it's kind of northwest London um, it's got a, a big tourist market it's got a big local market and it's it's quirky Camden but it's also on the you know got a, an edge of being accessible by residential customer. So if you look, if you sit in our Camden restaurant, you look around, which is why Mildred's is so interesting is, you know, you'll find that, that, that customer with the big earring and the tattoo and the piercings and, 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 you know, that cool customer. And then you'll also find a Jewish older couple kosher that don't eat meat at meat restaurants that are eating uh, want to eat at a purely vegan restaurant. You'll have Hindu customers. You'll, you know, you'll have, all ages, really. You'll have families, you'll have couples, you'll have yoga moms, you'll have, it, it appeals to everyone. I think that the the kind of flexitarian market, I would say average would be 25 to 35 year old. But with Mildred's, you can never guarantee that that's your customer base that, you, that you're looking at when you're in one of the sites. You've um, um, learned a knack to run multiple venues and the world of hospitality has changed a lot. Technology is so important uh, with QR codes and all sorts of things like that. Is there any sort of technology that um, helps in the modern sort of era of hospitality for you? So so for me, technology must make the guest experience better. Uh, We shouldn't be doing it just for the sake of doing it. Um, so, for example, uh, two types of technologies we use are the iPads at tables, um, which help the speed of service and especially, you know, opening and closing with COVID with staffing, you know, levels. It's helped us a little bit. It also helps the, the waiter run less to the till. So if you're taking an order from the table, you've got to historically, you've got to run back to the till, put that into the till. We don't need to do that. So the waiter can just take an order and then move to the next table, talk to them and take the orders. So there's one aspect. The other aspect is the pay a table. Um, so I, I hated the idea of QR code, but they do work the best. And we tried to find independent ways of putting a QR table. QR code on a table that didn't look like you were in, you know, like a, you know, a chain. Um, so we, we've got these like natural wooden kind of blocks on the table with this, you know, copper um, plate on the top that has the QR code embedded into that, which looks a little bit more like the salt and pepper. It looks a little bit more elegant on the table. So, you know, that, that would be a way in which they can, um, where, where, where that's helped us is uh, with allergen uh, information, so you can scan that QR code, and you can get. We, we we've got a huge um, demand for allergen information, um, not only for intolerances and, and allergies, but also for specific diets like uh, the Jane diet, which is no eating no vegetables from the earth. 
because obviously they can be infected. They can be affected by worms, or, or, or it's the disru- it's the disruption of killing animals by taking those vegetables out of the ground. So there's a there's a big following in our restaurants of Jane diets where there's only certain vegetables they can eat, and they want to know what those are. So the information um, in a Mildred's menu is is critical. So we can get that now on a QR code, and they can actually see uh, a detailed allergen analysis, and then they can pay at the table as well, which is you know, showing that we're advanced in technology and I think it's quite fun to do. And it also, if there is um, difficulty tracking somebody down, which I, I never like, you know, I always want them to be there. But, we, you know, in reality, if there is difficulty tracking somebody down, somebody can pay, split the bill um, and use all of that, which is, you know, I, th- I think it's great. I think right now we've got about a 20% uptake in, in people uh, paying at table. Um, you know, and, and in order to do that, we, we get their email addresses and, and data so, you know, we can communicate to them and, and you know, try and push another visit. But, um, yeah, overall, it's, it's been received well, uh, the way in, in which we've done it. So I think that in that example, in those two examples, technology has helped. It's, it's the technology that, you, that you're talking of. Is that, is that Mr. Yaman? Is, does that change operations and help with staffing and things like that as well? It is Mr. Yam. We use um, Mr. Yam. It will say it on the QR code as well. Um, does it change operations? What, what do you mean? Does it does it change? It helps. It definitely helps with operations for sure. Um, in terms of the time, or if somebody wants to pay quickly and leave, it's it's very simple for them to do. The the way that it's Mr. Yam has been set up on the um, the system, it, it, it's so user friendly. You don't need to fill in huge amounts of detail. And with smartphones today, the payment methods are so you know most of them are stored in your phone. So somebody, if somebody is in a hurry, they can easily um, just pay and go. You mentioned a bit earlier about um, the the evolution of the plant based and also flexitarian and and some incredible numbers on sort of the future in in the UK as well in regard to flexitarian. Um, how do you see things going in the next couple of years and what are you looking forward to within the space? Uh, I think in the next couple of years, hard to tell what happens. Uh, you know, I don't think climate issues are going away. I think it's, it's a real, a real issue in everybody's minds. And, and I think that, uh, the next few years will, um, be you know when there's a program on Netflix and and it, it really impacts us you know I think people are it's, it's mainstream climate issues so I think that where the plant based is only getting bigger it's it's massive you know we'll have a lot more competition as that grows um, I think that there's a benefit to us being purely plant based versus restaurants that are having a plant based menu on their menu I think that just you know by eating at Mildred's you're eating at a completely um, plant-based restaurant and and uh, mainstream, and I think that that is um, a plus for us at the moment. But it will get hard. I think that the numbers are only going to increase um, in the plant-based space. Personally, how has uh, this role and this sort of move into plant-based for yourself? How has it changed your life? I think it's made me more aware. Um, you know, changed my life is. I'll give you two things. Well, the, the the food element of it, uh, I've worked in um, many different restaurants. You know, I did we, uh, part of my experience. I also consulted from for the restaurant group PLC, and we've created you know very high volume restaurants in airports around the UK. Not not giraffe. We created other concepts for them. Uh, you know, I've been in that space of breakfast and burgers and 
Um, and, you know, the days of a chef uh, taking a piece of chicken and putting some fries on the plate with a little bit of garnish and, and a mushroom sauce over it and, and calling it a fancy name are over. I think the, the dealing with the plant-based food is creative and it's challenging and it it's it's um you really have to work much harder at um plant-based cooking we we want to do like a cookery school to kind of train people on it in the future but it's real challenging and and it's you know it's you know recreated my love of that dish and that plate and that art on the plate and the color and and the freshness and the ingredients you, you know in in the past you could you know you could get away with um, you know, vegetable vegetable ingredients weren't the prime focus of the dish. Now it's all about that vegetable. You know, when I was talking about Israel, one of the things in Tel Aviv that's fantastic is the use of veg, veg, vegetable. I mean, they, they've got one of the fastest plant growing, plant based communities in the world per square capita, and and therefore they've they've very creative with it. So using the kind of dressing with the vegetable is is key. So we we have to work a lot harder in in. Um, in what that's taught me and and I'm loving it. I, I think it's just the, the way of the future is creative ways to use plant-based food. If, if you wanted to suddenly become plant-based at home, it's quite challenging because you, you know, you're so used to understanding what the protein on the dish would be and where you get your protein from, where you get your green from and, and you know, Bob's your uncle on that plate. You now have to work a little bit harder in understanding. Okay, you're getting your protein from this. You're getting, you know, you know, your five a day from this. And how do you create that dish? And 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 how do you make that a substantial, you know, dish? And I think that that's very very interesting, personally. You've um, successfully steered your career away from the corporate world, in a sense, back to sort of connecting with people and closer to the restaurant floor. What is it that you love about hospitality and what you do? I love looking at a shell of a restaurant. Um, I, I went to look at a new site yesterday. I'm looking at this. It's, it's a concrete block, right? And I'm imagining what I could turn this into, right? And it's not just the design and the architecture. It's the people and the experiences and you know the the detail, the bar, the cocktails, how they presented, the food, how it's presented, the the whole theater of it all. The, the hospitality, the greeting at the door, the, the outside area. You know, I'm, I'm like looking at this place and I love turning a shitty shell into a, like a, a, you know, a piece of life. You know, I think that that's it. And, and that does not happen from, from corporate boardrooms and, um, and, you know, no offense to that, but it doesn't happen from that. It happens from rolling your sleeves up and being on the ground and, and creating magic moments to guests and people. And the only way you're going to get that is by recruiting and building a team of people. I've got an amazing um, operations team, you know, behind me. They, they, they work, they're, they're tenacious. They, they don't give up as seen from the COVID, but, you know, and, and especially seen from creating um, these two new restaurants that we've just done on top of the existing four. Uh, you know, Mallow and Borough Market, you know, to me, it was a culmination of years of of giraffe and Brussels and people and everything. And I put blood, sweat and tears into this Borough Market concept. And we are so proud of it. It is so amazing. You know, we, we love going there. We love, we, get, we take it very personally if somebody doesn't have a perfect experience there. You know, we get very upset. <laughs> so, um, you know, so, yeah, I hope that answers that. 
Well, Sam, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story and congratulations on, on what you're continuing to build over there in the UK. Um, please keep in touch and um, we'll catch up again soon. Well, please come and visit. It's, it's been a pleasure. I, ho- I hope you found it interesting. <laughs> I, I, I haven't really um, really reflected on it. I just put my head down and work and, uh, and I hope it was uh, interesting for you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.